Hey, hey. I don't know. There's a lot of people that were like, I guess you're preaching this morning because I have my jacket on. Yeah, I, don't, I wear this all the time, right? I guess not, huh? They just, they just knew. Yeah, no, it's... What happened was I didn't have any uh, short sleeve dress shirts I wanted to wear, so I was like, well, I'll just wear this so I can take it off later and wear a t-shirt. How about that? Man, you know how you don't preach every Sunday? It, uh... It feels it feels a little more special. I don't know. Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I didn't before, but it does feel a little more special, and I get pretty excited about it. Um, I am right now getting the slide code going because I should have done that before, but I forgot that I was going to do that so that I can control my own slides instead of have to constantly say next slide. Let me just see. Boom. Cool. Okay. You never know. You're, now y'all are going to wonder what that next slide's about. Uh, before we start, I'm actually going to ask Kate to just read this passage for us in its entirety. It's only 13 uh, verses, and uh, we've been doing that more lately, and so I just thought, let's do that and let's have Kate read it. Um, 12, Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. I'm reading from the NLT, if it sounds a little different. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong.
I'm not. Okay, yeah, now I am. My bad. <clears throat> Maybe I was on the whole time I was sitting there. Oof. Um, you know, I think John was kind of basically saying, it's not fair John gets to preach chapter 12. I have to preach Hebrews chapter 11, right? I wonder if he'll be listening to this or not. Hey, John, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts. Um, like maybe like, kind of like I got the long end of the stick. I, I kind of did, I think, honestly, except for the fact that the beginning of this passage about the cloud of witnesses is one of those that many of us have probably heard a thousand times. So it's always super fun to preach on verses where we've heard them time after time after time. Um, but just to remind us, you know, what John had talked about last week, man, the Hebrew writer just goes into this tear of these men and women like Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Moses and Rahab and all these people who God used to do incredible things for the kingdom. Um, goes on to say things like, hey, they didn't actually even receive the fullness of what God has for humanity, but they died in faith. And they died in faith, still believing, not even receiving the fullness of it. And it's easy for us to read that passage, I think, and think about these men and women and almost, um, almost like kind of deify them, right? Like, this is so great. And just look, at, look back and how great they are. And man, they're, they're, we, don't, we don't, you know, measure up to Abraham and Sarah. You know, we don't measure up to these folks. But it's like, I was thinking this morning, it's like when you're reading a really, you know, good novel. Imagine you're reading this great novel and you're reading these stories of all these people. And you know when you get to the end, it's that bittersweet moment, unless it wasn't very good. Then you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm done with this. Who, who powers through not good books? No. So who just says, I'm done with this. It's not good. I'm not reading anymore. Wow. That's like 50-50. That's interesting. I tend to lean towards the powering through just to say that I've done it. And I guess it's probably, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what that says about me. But, but. A lot of times, a lot of times when I finish, when I finish your book, you have that bittersweet moment of you finish it, and you're like, ah, there's some satisfaction, some complete, completeness to it, and, but then, oh, I'm going to miss the characters, and then it's really cool if you didn't realize there are more parts to it, right? You ever had those moments where someone's like, oh, yeah, there's more parts to that. You're like, what? Or there's a prequel, or there's something, and you didn't realize that that was there. You're like, ah. Well, it's like we've been reading, and the, and the Hebrew writer's been talking about all these people, and we're listening to these stories and getting all excited. It would almost be like turning... And about to close the book, and then you see something written on the last page, and it says, you're part of the story too. He takes what is in the past, where we could just kind of go, wow, that was great, amazing, and he brings them to the present time. And this is the beginning of the chapter. He says, listen, there, you all are all part of the same story that God's been telling. This great, amazing novel, this great story that's been told, you and I and all of us are part. And to me, it's cool to say that. I don't think I really grasp that. I don't know about y'all, but I don't think I really understand. We're part of the same story that Moses was in. We're part of the same story that God's been telling, that Rahab joined in. It's like this image. Oh, where did my slides go? There we go. There's almost this image that he's telling or he's speaking I'll push it a third time. I wonder if I let my phone go to sleep, if it has a problem with that. Go to the next slide. Thanks. I'm just going to, I may have to just say that. I'll try it again here in a minute, but that's just some kind of a signal. <laughs> you guys know. Keep, you know, at least keep their attention in the booth if I have to tell them next slide. Who knows what they're doing back there? They, they always tell me they're paying a lot of attention, so close attention. 
what did I preach on? Well, I mean, it was something about a race or something, Dad, you know? You know, it's really good. All right, sorry, I don't want to detour. <laughs> but the writer has almost this image, because we're going to get to, as you even re- heard when Kate read, this kind of picture of a race. John alluded to that. And this idea that Abraham and Sarah finished the race, and they passed the baton, they passed the torch to the next generation. And as they passed the torch to the next generation, they kind of joined the stands, it's kind of wild, and their story and their witness is actually cheering the next generation along. And then they die off, and they join in the stands, and their witness and their story is cheering the next generation along. Again, it's kind of wild to think about, I'll go kind of slow, because the idea that these stories and that these you know, m- people that we look at as mountains of, <laughs> of our faith are literally cheering us along, saying, y'all can go, you can finish, let's go. And don't forget that this letter is written to a lot of people who are suffering persecutions and challenges. And the writer, a big part of the story is, the letter is encouraging them, keep going, let's go, let's go, let's go, you can do this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance. The race that is set before us. Next slide. I like this part of the passage in Hebrews. Greg has gotten some very practical stuff, but sometimes we get into this Christ as, and this is incredible stuff, right? As high priest, new covenant, beautiful things. But here it gets really, really practical. Like we think of all that we've been studying and think of all we've been talking about the last four, five, six, whatever weeks. And for him to very, very pointedly saying, we have joined the story that God has been telling. We're part of the same mission that all these people have been part of. They're actually surrounding us with their witness. Therefore, get rid of the things that hinder you whenever you're, as you're trying to run. I don't have as cute of a story as John and Deborah holding hands as they finish the, the marathon. Lauren got mad at me last week because... She said, why don't you and Larissa do that? And I said, we will when she gets faster. That probably might not even be the case anymore. Is it? <laughs> she, she appreciated it. She really did. <laughs> she, she's better at a lot of other things than me. Nope, I'm not going there. I'm getting myself in trouble. <laughs> I might give myself up. That was as far as I can go, right, babe? <laughs> no, she's really, yeah. Yep, oh, nope, yep, okay. What's happening right now? Racing. Okay, yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> um, but I do have, I ran, I ran two marathons, which I super, don't super recommend it. Like, it's not like great amounts of fun or anything like that. The first marathon, I was in really good shape. And I trained really well, and I finished well. Like, hey, it was, it was tough. I don't care how much training you have, unless you're just like, I do have some people I know that are just marathon runners. Like, that's just what they do. If you don't normally run a marathon, when you hit like mile 22, 23, there's, it's like a wall, and your body's like, stop, Greg, stop, Greg, stop. And you're like, no, you will go, you will do whatever I say. And it's not fun, and, you know, you finish, and I, don't, I, my, I remember my stomach being pretty upset. I was really worried that... You never, I didn't, but you know, I was worried that things might spew out. Like I was like really, like it was like it was awful. I didn't like it. You might want to, you may want to join a marathon. The second time I did it, though, I, uh, 
I didn't properly train. Like I has been, I had been doing a lot of 5Ks and stuff, and like just trying to be really fast at those, which are three miles. That's a lot different than 26 miles. Um, so about four to six weeks ahead of time, I'm like, hey, I really need to train for this, which is not really enough time if you're not used to running those distances. And so I trained, and you know, really, really hard. And about one or two weeks before, if you remember, my ankle got jacked up because it was my fault. I wasn't properly trained. I hadn't disciplined myself to be good at running those 26.2 miles and ends up having a bum ankle. But me, you know, being an eternal optimist and thinking I can do it, I'm like, well, I'm still going to run this thing. Like, it's fine. And we're going to do this. And so I found me a little ankle brace and stuff like that. I did finish. I did finish. But it was awful. And I prided myself. I don't, and I do not walk. When I, if I'm going running, I'm not going walking. It's not called walking. It's called running when I want to run. But I walked for, <laughs> I remember when I hit around 20, like it was walk, run, walk, run, walk, run. I limped over, you know, the finish line like this. And I feel like there's this picture that the Hebrew writer is saying that is saying, listen, this is a stinking long race that we're in. This isn't a sprint. This isn't, you know, you don't, you have to be prepared. You have to be well-trained. We'll talk about those things here in a second. So get rid of any kind of encumbrance that would prevent you from running the race well. Any kind of obstruction, anything that would stop you. And he, of course, you know, mentioned sin, which the, the thing about sin, I mean, the, the, the challenge with that is that means missing the mark. We're going to talk about in a second what we've been singing about this morning is looking to Jesus and what that actually might look like. But if we have an aim and a goal of Christ and his kingdom and all the beautiful things that that entails, and that is the, the finish, that is where we're headed towards. Whenever we allow sin into our life to entangle, we start to veer off that course. Like, how can our eyes be set and we're struggling with you know, X, Y, or Z. And the thing is, is it says it so easily entangles us because it does. Like, no one goes, hey, I want to be a big-time sinner this morning. Uh, maybe. Maybe some people wake up and do that. I, I, I don't think so. It's deceptive. You know, oftentimes sin starts as something good that it gets twisted. And he's saying, be careful. Watch those things because those are the types of things that will prevent you from finishing well or maybe even finishing the race at all. i thought about this a lot um, this week and thinking through like some of my dear friends who have quit running, maybe just momentarily, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully they'll get back in the race at some point. But at some point along the, their lives, they have said, this Jesus stuff, man, I don't know. I'm not really into it. I and I thought, I was just thinking of the reasons why. And this is just like personally people that I've known really closely. And it's usually one of two things. One is just tragedy has hit their life so many times that they just don't know how they can believe in God that it would allow X, Y, or Z to happen. And I'm, it's, those are difficult. Those, that's very difficult. But two, and the overwhelming majority, is sin. Um, by the time they sit down and say, I'm done, it's usually something like, well, just some kind of intellectual, like, I, 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 can't, I can't believe in God for this or that reason. But when I look back and I see the roots of the veering off of the race and the path, almost man, so regularly it is some type of sin that becomes to entangle and gets the people looking so inwardly and at themselves and they're focused on things that are, uh, yeah, anyways. But that, that sin begins to entangle. 
and then excuses are made and, and different things like that. It's, it's, it's real, man. That's, he writes this with the recognition that sins and different weights and stuff, man, this, is, this, this hurts us. And this idea of this race is, it's not like a joke. Like, this is real. Like, this is eternal. Like, there's eternal implications. This is big time stuff. So let's not let these things entangle us. Let's not let weights, let's let nothing obstruct us. And I've, I've wrestled with like thinking through like things in our lives that might actually, maybe they're not sin, but that actually kind of hinder us from running well. Um, I ask myself if this hinders me from running well. <laughs> as many times, much time as it distracts me sometimes. And I'm like, man, I could have really been doing something a whole lot more productive. Not that it's all bad or in and of itself, but that's the whole thing, right? It's not that bad for me to watch a show, but whenever I spend time binging show after show after show, it's hard for me to be spiritually fit whenever I'm so distracted by so many different things. I think one thing that we can do from this passage is just examine ourselves and examine our hearts and say, God, is there th- are there things in my life, are there weights, are there things that are entangling and obstructing me from running the race? And y'all, my desire is to run well. It's not just a limp over the finish. I'll take limping over the finish line. <laughs> I'll take it. By God's grace, man, if, I just, if I'm part of the new heavens and the new earth and this kingdom and I limped over, I'll take it. But that's not my aim. My goal is to finish well. My goal is for him to say, well done. You did good. You, you, you finished well. And so in wanting to finish well, that's one place that I've been examining myself this week and just saying, God, I just, Lord, I ask right now that you would by your spirit, just reveal areas in our lives, um, individually and corporately, uh, as family, Lord, any areas that we've allowed things to obstruct the race, um, maybe us veer off course. And uh, yeah, I just ask for your help with that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So, as he says, uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. I'm going to try my slides one more time. No, next slide. We don't want to run with that, right? He says, let us run with perseverance um, or endurance, the race that is set before us. As I, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, this is a long race. And the writer wants us to recognize that. I mean, it's longer than a marathon. We're talking more like ultra marathon. We're talking 100 miles. We're talking about something that if we're not prepared, we're not going to finish it. If we're not reminded and encouraged and stirring one another up that this is a long race for us to run, we're not going to finish. And, you know, I think I've shared this before, but here's one of my favorite parts of races, and maybe I need to repent for this. And that is, if you're in, let's just say you're in a big race, they have, anyone ever been in a big race where they have like stations of, if you run sub six minute miles, you're in this section. And that's like, those are the real fast people, you know, and everyone, I can't do that. And then they have like little banners. And like, if you're sub seven minutes, you're here. And then eight, nine, 10, whatever. And then at the very back, it's just like, oh God, please help me finish it possibly, right? We'll see if it happens, you know. But that's cool, at least you know where you stand, right? But one of my favorite parts is watching people not know where they stand. And it, it happens every single time we get in the race. I'll be next to somebody, and I'm just like, I can just tell by their fitness level. Sometimes I'm surprised. Occasionally I'll be like, wow, okay. Um, 
Maybe they have some shoes that aren't really good running shoes or something like that. Doesn't mean you're not going to laugh. But like, there's this, I can almost always go, yeah, this is going to be interesting. And they'll take off, man. I mean, they go, baby. And I love it. I love it because I'm like, I got my time. I know how fast I can go, you know. And they go. And I mean, they're way ahead of me. And I go, we'll just see. We'll see. Go to the next slide. And about half a mile onto it, this is what's happening. Like, they might not be on their knees, but they're bent over, and they're going, <sighs> or they're now rocking, and they're just trying, and then, you know, you pass on by, and you're just smiling, like, yeah, you know, no, you know, you should have been better prepared, because I, <laughs> I'm not just saying that's where I, maybe I should repent of that, I don't know, but, but I, it's just my favorite part, I mean, it is, and, and uh, <laughs> It's laughing at people who aren't prepared. I do need to repent for that, actually. That's better than even the finishing race, honestly, for me. It's just, it's just hilarious. <laughs> it makes, uh, that's selfish, right? It makes me feel good about myself. Whew, okay, okay. There's probably way faster people that are looking at me and laughing at me, too, but that's all right. Um, but the Hebrew writer doesn't... Do I, I missed that part. What was that? That's my favorite part. Look at that guy. You know, he thinks he could do it. Oh, I'm not good anymore, so I don't know what where I'd be nowadays. I don't run anymore. Um, very much. But the Lord doesn't want us to be like this. He wants us to know from the, from the rip, when we look back, there is a long story over thousands of years that God's telling us. We're part in it, and it's a long race. So if we're going to run this long race, as we'll see here in a minute, there are disciplines, there's things that we have to have in our life if we really want to finish and finish well. I'll pause on that part for a moment. Next slide. So going to the next slide, he says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. What we set our eyes and fix our eyes on is, means everything. Like in our lives, like whether it's money, whether it's a particular relationship, whether it is the good life, the American dream, whatever it may be, the Hebrew writer is telling us that we have taken some moments in Hebrews 11 to look at Abraham. Man, way to go, Abraham, you know? I wonder if any Hey, Moses! who would do this thing, you know? And like, that's okay to do. It's good to do. It's good to stir each other up and to encourage each other and to read these stories of these people and to be encouraged. But he's saying, as he's done the whole rest of the letter, what has he said? Jesus is greater than Moses, right? His covenant is greater. He is the high priest. But he's saying when it comes to what our eyes are mostly like locked and focused on, it has to be Jesus himself. So what does that look like? That, that, that was my question this morning because I, I started thinking to myself, like, if this is a reality, if we are running a long race, if one of the big parts of encouragement he says here is for us to lock our eyes on Jesus, what the heck does that mean practically in our lives? Like, it's always so, it's so easy to come up with these theological, like, oh, wow, that's cool, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking to Jesus. But, like, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to can we have? What does it look like for us to have a daily practice? Like, if this is something that we need to do, I can't take my eyes off of them for long periods of time or I'm going to start veering. So this week for me, and I think that there's probably 
hundreds, thousands of ways to practice this, um, I started asking, how can I daily practice looking to him? And for me, it was throughout the day and in conversations and whatnot, asking what is Jesus doing now? Like, what, Lord, like, what are you doing? Because if I am looking to him and he is the goal and his kingdom is the goal, then this race, there is a mission to it. There is a, <laughs> there is a story that's being told. There's a path that we are to go. And I started thinking, though I'm not against it, like I started, I just think about the what would Jesus do bracelets. Remember whenever we were like in the 90s, everyone wore those or whatever, and people still wear them, right? I don't think, they're not bad or anything, but I started, one thing that it can do, it doesn't have to do, but uh, this is where my mind went in the process. Of what, I, what it can do is kind of put us in like, hey, I can read Jesus. Uh, what would he do in this situation um, as a good moral teacher or whatever, whatever. But like, I started asking myself, not what would he do, like what is he doing? How can I discern? Because he is in us, right? Like, is that the reality? It's not maybe, what could he do? He's not, that kind of disconnects us from what is he doing? And trying to throughout my day, and again, in conversations with people, whatever it may be, learn to listen and discern what is God doing at my work here? What is he doing in this situation, this relationship I have? But bigger questions, what is he doing here in Murfreesboro, right? What is he doing in our school? Like, what is he, where, what, in the schools, what is Jesus doing? Which does, of course, have a response to it. How does he want me to respond to this does he want me to respond in bitterness? Does he want me to respond in forgiveness? Not what would he do? Do, what does he want to happen? How does he want me to respond? Because if he is our goal, if this is his mission, then that's what looking at him, that's part of what looking at him looks like. We have to ask. These are questions we have to ask. I'm afraid that certain times, we disconnect a couple things. Actually, let's go to the next part, and then I'll talk about that. Next um, slide. Uh, Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted. You have, see, struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, do not lose heart when you are punished by him, for the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. A couple things. Yeah, let's do this first, then I'll go back to where I was a second ago. First of all, let's, in verse 3, he says, he wants to remind us, the race, if you're alive, the race isn't over. Just, I want to say that, like, <laughs> you're still kicking, you haven't endured in struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood yet, it's, you're, you're still going, right? It goes back to the faithfulness of Christ as high priest, and for us to go, well, you don't understand what this is like, Jesus, whatever, we can't say that, he does, he knows what it's like to have his friends die. He knows what it's like to be backstabbed by someone close to him. He knows what it's like to do these things, right? He knows what it's like to resist to the point of dying a death that he did not deserve, that was viewed uh, as a criminal, viewed as a horrific criminal, and dies a horrifying death, right? We haven't resisted to that point. He's reminding the Hebrews that. But 
to me also that's a big encouragement because maybe we're off the trail, maybe but you're still here. You're still you can get back on the course. <laughs> we can look to Jesus and we can join the mission. We can join the story that's being told. But then he brings in, as we look at Jesus and we look at this race that we're running, there's obviously these are not uh, these are connected for a reason. Running this race, this mission of following and looking and seeing where he's at and heading towards him and his kingdom is connected directly with discipline. I know that a lot of folks, and I know there are people and maybe people here who have had very harmful, hurtful, tragic situations when it comes to discipline in your life. Like there are people who their parents, man, they weren't doing it for their good. They just had rage problems or, you know, uh, they were taking things out from work on the kids or they had substance abuse problems and, man, discipline, and they, they were not disciplining love. They weren't disciplining what we're going to talk about for formation. They're disciplining because they're angry or they're bitter or whatever it may be. Also, I've seen where maybe you've been in church situations where the words obedience and discipline and stuff have been used to lord over people rather than to help and aid them. And because, I know I've shared this before, but because of that, I have friends in my life who I love who don't even want to talk about discipline or obedience because they've been so hurt and by those things. I don't want to downplay the hurt. Like, yeah, it, it affects you big time. But I want to encourage that there is good discipline. There's incredible obedience. And these are vital parts for us to finish the race, right? If we want to keep this kind of athletic analogy, I know Greg loves athletic analogies. He loves sports ball, he says. Um, but the, in the scriptures, there are many. There's boxing. There's, there's, there's analogies, athletic ones, and so we're going. That's, we'll just continue this one, right? If I decide that I'm going to run a marathon and I just think, it's just going to happen. I'm just going to do it. Who thinks they can just do it and finish it? All right, I mean, yeah, Jonah, yeah, he probably does. I believe that. And maybe, maybe the odds are not in your favor, right? As, as Katniss or whoever would say. She didn't say that, but anyways. The odds are ever in your favor, yes. Sorry. May the odds, sorry. See, I, I just... It's what I do sometimes. Uh, okay. Um, oh, it's every friend. Okay. We, in order for us to finish the race, though, we have to allow disciplines to come into our lives. Like, it, there's, there's no maybe. There's no that would be nice. There is if you want to finish well, you have to do this. This is why he's saying that, listen... So much so to where God will allow things come into your life to bring, to get you back on track, <laughs> to help build the muscles, the leg muscles that you need, to help build the heart muscle that you need to be able to pump and be able to do it well, to be able to run with endurance. As parents, do we discipline, if we're good parents, do we discipline our children just because we get kicks out of it? We discipline them because we are, want to form them. Now, I guess it depends on who we are to what we're forming them into, whether it be good citizens or hopefully as believers, 
we're desiring to form our kids into the image of Christ, his kingdom. But the reason, I don't, I, if I'm a parent, I never want to discipline my kid again if I don't have to. I don't, right? I don't know. I don't get kicks out of it. I don't think it's great. But I will do it. That's why whenever they're young and we teach them how to share, what are we teaching them? I mean, share your toys. We're teaching them to, to care about other people, right? To share what you have. If they get older, maybe that goes into, we teach them about giving and giving money and paying for your friend's meals sometimes or doing things so that you can learn how to what? Have that image of Christ formed and shaped in you, right? But I will say this, like, we play a vital role in this. I think there's two folds. One thing is, is when God... God, see, we don't have to constantly punish our kids if they are disciplined themselves, right? Like, if they listen to us and obey us and go, I have certain children that I don't have to discipline as much because they listen and obey, and they don't mind being formed. They don't mind being shaped. Jonah's raised his hand. He's my most difficult one. Like, he knows. <laughs> he's the one that you like, I've told you that a hundred times. Now you're going to lose, you know, X, Y, or Z, and right? he's a good sport. That's why he's raising his hand there. Love him. He's the most like me, so maybe, what does that tell you, I guess? I can be stubborn and stuff. Anyway. Um, But that has me reflecting on my life and my walk with God and my spiritual, even physical formation. It's like, what is, what am I putting in my life? What am I allowing to be in my life to bring growth? Like, there's some point in following the Lord that we often stop growing or we become unwilling to grow. Have you, like, it was, it was really fun watching, going around doing training for textbooks. That's what I've been doing all summer long. And such a stark difference between the first-year teachers and the teachers that have been there for a really long time. Now, the first-year teachers are naive and whatever. I get it. But there is so much excitement. Oh, teach me, teach me. I'm a sponge. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I'm like, yeah, cool. They're all participating. And then we get to the ones who have been around there for a long time. Not always. Sometimes they participate well. And sometimes it's just like, please get out of here. I've done this a hundred times. It's another textbook. And I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> I know what it's like. I know what it's like to sit there and do that. But sometimes we treat our spiritual life like that, where we were excited when we first surrendered to Jesus, and we were willing to grow, and we were had a, some disciplines for prayer time and, and reading our word, and maybe you know growing in whatever it may be, maybe hospitality, whatever. Like I want to grow, I want to be more like Jesus. But there's a point to where I've, that, I, that I see, and I have to fight against it to where we just kind of like plateau and go, well, I don't know, like I've made it. Or I've wondered to myself, do we just kind of live up to where everyone else is? Like, we're all running 12-minute while- miles. Why do I need to run a 10? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Like, we go to, I go to church. I read a little word. I do a little bit of this. And I don't think that that is helpful for us to finish well. Because the way that we live our lives, not only does the way that we run the way- race affect us, it affects everybody else around us. Like, if there are those that are down and they're on their knees or struggling, if we're weak, we can't pick them up and help them run the race any better. We can't encourage them. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> I'm just going to finish this myself. Like, hey, like. And then if we don't build those disciplines and practices into our lives, like, because God loves us, because it says that we're not illegitimate children, 
good parents discipline their ch- children, he will come and he will help form and shape us. So another piece to it is, is whenever we're going through trials and challenges, endure trials for the sake of discipline. Like, when we're going through those, listening and discerning, God, is there something that you are trying to teach and grow in me? I don't think that the Hebrew writer is saying every bad situation is from God, and he did this, but I believe that he is saying that he does allow situations, trials, challenges, difficulties into our lives to form and to shape us. And it even says, it's being real, we don't like it when we're going through it. Anyone like to be indisciplined? I, not, I don't at all. Like There may be things in your life that God allows to be exposed to other people that you, he's been telling you for a long time, you need to, <laughs> hey, gently, I'm trying to form you, I'm trying to form you, I'm trying to form you, then pff, it's exposed and you're like, well, but the positive is maybe I'll actually do something about it now, right? That he disciplines us because he loves us. And so that's pretty much it today. Like, I just want us to uh, take a moment. I'm going to do the two-minute thing again where we just meditate for a moment. And I would like us to reflect on discerning what areas of growth individually and corporately God may have for us. Asking ourselves, are we allowing weights or sins or obstructions to really help prevent us from running? Have we stopped growing? Have we just kind of decided, I'm good? And if so, why? Because if we want to run well, and I would venture to say, really, we all would want to help others run well too. I think that's the thing in the West. We get so individually focused. We think this whole passage is just about me running my individual race. What are you talking about? Abraham, Moses, Sarah. This is about us running together. And hopefully us building those muscles well enough, those spiritual muscles, disciplines, to where we can help others. Like, if we don't have a discipline of hospitality, how are we going to invite others into our lives and help them grow? Right? If we've just chosen to ignore those areas of our lives. If we say, man, I really want to have a great prayer life, but we don't, we just need to stare at ourselves in the mirror and be like, do we actually want to have a great prayer life? Because <laughs> if we do, what are you doing to grow it? Like, I don't sit around and go, man, I'd love to have good biceps. I'd love to have great biceps. Finally, Jerry's going to go, shut up, John. Lift a weight. <laughs> and I'm going to go, yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> Am I allowed to say shut up? Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Be quiet, John. Lift a weight. Sorry, there's some kids in here. Don't use a, I don't say that to people, kids. It's not nice. Don't say that to other people. Um, so, Lord, we just ask today that through your Spirit that you would reveal to us in our hearts where you speak in, our, in the stillness of our hearts, whether you just give us a discerning spirit. If you want to speak audibly, I'm listening, Lord. <laughs> but that you would speak to us and show us those areas that we can grow so that we can be strong and help others run this race, Lord. Show us the areas in our lives, Lord, where we've allowed sin to entangle us or we've allowed extra spiritual weight to be on us that we don't have to have that we need to shed so that we can run this race well, so that we can finish our leg of the race 
and pass the baton to the next generation and go into the stands and, and watch and cheer along. Hopefully that the life and the witness that we've had is something worth encouraging others. But as we do all of this, Lord, help us to look to Jesus. Give us ideas of practices that we can have in our daily life to reorient ourselves, to make sure that we are focused on him, on his character, on his kingdom, and on his mission. And that that would not be divorced from formation so that we can finish this race. In Jesus' name, amen. Before they play, I'm just going to, let's have a few minutes of a little bit of silence to reflect and to meditate.